They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings. The extraordinary circumstances here require the appointment of a special counsel for this matter. Classified materials next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? And by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay. Classified information just out there in the open. No place for hypocrisy. What happens next? Let's see what happens. Happens here. This is really crazy. More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Delano Squires is a research fellow at the Richard and Helen DeVos Center for Life, Religion, and Family at the Heritage Foundation. He's also a contributor to Blaze Media. He writes about faith, family, and culture. As well, he uh, joins Jason Whitlock on the Fearless podcast. Uh, Delano's articles and essays have been published in Newsweek, The American Conservative, The Federalist, The Institute for Family Studies. Delano is a black man who was raised in Washington, D.C. You can follow him, by the way, at Delano Squires. Delano, welcome into News and Views. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Hey, Tom. Thanks Thanks for having me. One, one quick correction. I was raised in New York City. Oh, you were? Okay. I've lived, yeah, I've lived in the D.C. area for about 15 years. Okay. Well, thanks for, for that correction. Uh, you read a recent article, and, and by the way, uh, what we're going to talk about is, you know, we're going to focus a lot on the family in this interview. We're mm-hmm. also going to focus on the role of fathers and how uh, our society has vilified fathers. In many cases, mm-hmm. fathers have abandoned their responsibility. They procreate, but they don't fulfill their role as, as dad and husband. Um, you wrote recently in The Federalist, those conservatives who want to shape the growing pro-family movement emerging on the right must be willing to embrace a controversial and countercultural reality. Healthy families require strong, stable, and secure men. That means Republicans interested in crafting pro-family policy must focus on the well-being of America's boys and men. Delano, how did we get to the point that something that is so common sense— has become controversial and countercultural. Uh, that's a great question. I think it, this is what happens when, and I'll, I'll use a simple analogy: you turn something that's a buffet into an a la carte meal. So there was a point where a person, for lack of a better term, paid one a, a person paid one price, and they got uh, marriage, so so lifelong commitment and partnership, as well as children. But when you separate those things. And you make make it seem as if they really have no uh, connection to one another. Then, uh, ultimately, what what ends up happening, and what has happened in our case, is we've said, well, children can still fare well if women are empowered. Uh, and and as I say, for a little further down in that piece, um, the left has spent decades supporting the notion that empowering women, quote unquote, empowerment, the way they that they define empowerment. Um, will empower children and communities in the country and everything will take care of itself. But no society teaches its women that it is their responsibility to take care of adult males and the children that that men and women have together. Um, So in their efforts to neglect men and to um, promote, again, female empowerment in the way that they define it, they have neglected the needs of boys and men, whether those needs be spiritual, um, social, educational, or economic. And I think that's a big reason why we find ourselves here at this point. 
How do we begin to turn the ship around? I mean, it, this has been going on for decades, literally, uh, as the government has, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, the government has awarded this kind of lifestyle, rewarded this kind of lifestyle. How do we, and, and can we turn it around by uh, either penalizing or awarding uh, you know, men and women coming together and raising a family in, in the traditional biblical sense. Absolutely. And I, and I think part of what um, government's role and responsibility is, and I say this as a, as a Christian, um, is to punish evil and reward good, right? So we, sure. should, we should always incent, use public policy, um, and not just policy, right? Use, use the pen the purse and the pulpit, the bully pulpit, to reward those things that we think are good. Um, and the natural family is good, as God designed it. Um, that, that, that is a, a good and just and right thing. So I think I mean, there's a lot that can be done, you know, outside of the law um, to promote the types of family structures that we know provide the best social and emotional outcomes for children, as well as the best opportunities for sort of interpersonal fulfillment for, for men and women. Um, so a part of this is going to mean uh, a complete um, a seismic shift in the way that all of us, on both the left and the right, um, think about what it means to have a good life. Um, many of us, even some, some you know, self-professed Christians and conservatives, um, have completely bought into the left's notion that that a good life is all about economic growth and a high salary. But but when you think that way, whether you're a man or a woman, um, it becomes that much easier for you to turn over uh, your responsibilities for raising the next generation to people who oftentimes do not share our values. So so later on in the piece, I talk about the daycare to demisexual pipeline, pipeline that occurs when people basically hand over their kids. Um, to this generation's uh, class of teachers and educators, which it seems there's a disproportionate number of them who are pink-haired with septum rings and, um, you know, gen gender yeah. theory degrees from liberal arts colleges. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's hard to it's hard to argue though with the percentages, uh, the percentages specifically of successful men who had a father or a father figure in his life. I think of Clarence Thomas, who his dad wasn't mm -hmm. there, but his grandfather really was a surrogate uh, a, a father for him and really taught, taught him values. And the flip side of that coin is the percentage of men in prison who had no father. I mean, when, mm -hmm. when we see these school shootings, so there's a lot of common denominators and one of the at the top of the list is uh, the, the individual that was the perpetrator of these crimes had no dad in his life. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head. And even when sometimes a person may have a father, um, that that theme of young men who are disaffected and disconnected runs through many of these incidents, if, if not most. Um, and it's one of those themes that cuts across all of the different ethnic groups. Um, so, I mean, I, I, you go back a couple of years and you'll find shooters of every ethnic persuasion and it tends to be the same type of story hmm. um you know families that are that are fractured because you and i know this tom it's, it's possible for um, a child to ask to live with both parents under the same roof 
and dad still be absent. Right. It's possible for him to be physically present, but emotionally absent and unaware of anything that his children are doing and unwilling um, to contribute to, to the rearing and discipleship of those children. So uh, we, we, we have a lot of issues in the family and, and the, the left has its own perspective on family. And, and particularly I, I think about this as it relates to the outreach to the black community, they are much more passionate and intentional about promoting abortion um, than they are about marriage and a nuclear family. Um, so it, I think in the short term, it's going to be up to um, conservatives, and particularly religious conservatives, to say, hey, if, if we want to see progress in any area of our society, we need to get back to operating in the world as God designed it. We're talking to Delano Squires. He's a research fellow with the uh, Heritage Foundation. Delano, how, and I'm sure you've thought about this, how do you uh, embrace the uh, situation with compassion and yet turn it around? In other words, we don't want to turn our back on the single mom who's trying to raise the, the child, mm. but at the same time, how do we also make it clear that this is not the ideal? I mean, again, we talk about percentages, you know, the, the percentages of children that grow up with a two-parent intact family that end up mm -hmm. being successful in terms of their education and going on and having a good career. I mean, those, those numbers that you, you cannot deny those numbers, but how, how do you, how do you say no and, and yet be compassionate at the same time? Um, that, that's a great question, and I think it's a question um, that applies to a number of different issues sort of in this family space. Um, I think part of it is using different tools for different tasks, right? So um, the way you would um, relate with, interact with, talk to a single mom who's doing her best to raise her children, right, which is honorable right? because she's the one who stayed to raise the kids, um, is different than the way you would talk to an academic or a politician or um, an entertainer who's promoting the notion that more single mothers is, is good for society. So I think for the, for the, for the single mom, what she needs is, is care and compassion. Now she still you know, needs to hear those things that are, that are true. And oftentimes single moms will be the ones who say, I, I don't want to do this again because raising kids by, by myself is hard. Um, but when it comes to the people who are promoting these ideas, these destructive ideas, um, I, I think we, we need um, – those are the people, I think, on whom you can sort of drop the hammer, for lack of a better term. Um, in, the same, in the same thing in terms of you know, gender ideology. Right. You know, if, if, a, if a person is speaking to someone, particularly a young person, who feels they were born in the wrong body, quote-unquote, and, and let's say has taken steps, whether they're on hormones or had surgeries, to try to, quote-unquote, change their sex, uh, that, that is a person who, who deserves care and compassion, um, and particularly for, for if you're a, a believer, someone who, who really needs to hear the gospel and, and to know that God loves them and that his love extends to his design for their body and that, um, you know, that they can find forgiveness for their sins at the cross and so on and so forth. But that person is a lot different, again, than the ideologues who are driving this, who should know better. Um, and those are the people who I don't think we should give a single inch 
Um, we shouldn't play any of their games around, you know, pronouns or any of the other things. Um, and we should be be willing to confront them wherever they pop up in the public square. You know, the, the, the challenge of that is when conservatives and Christians speak up to the issue, as you've just uh, very well uh, enunciated, they are branded as uncompassionate, uncaring, self-centered, and, and all they want to do is just, you know, beat down on the people who need to be lifted up the most. They turn around and they promote giveaway programs, which all those giveaway programs do is encourage the lifestyle. Uh, how, how would you, if you were in the position that you were debating this issue, how would you respond mm-hmm. to someone that would accuse you of being uh, unkind, not compassionate, and you know, all, all you want to do is, uh, you know, the, the typical the typical response is you just want to uh, make yourself rich, and you don't want to, you know, give your fair share. Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the first things I would say is that no human being can beat God at loving His creation. So, um, mm-hmm. the notion that I can redefine love. And that, particularly in this instance, that love would express itself through, uh, you know, hormones, castration, mutilation. That that love expresses itself in a 16-year-old girl cutting off healthy breast tissue and getting a hysterectomy um, because she, at some point, feels like she was born in the wrong body. I, I would reject those notions outright. Um, and, and I wouldn't allow people on the other side of the debate um, to extort me emotionally. And I think, to your point, conservatives oftentimes are um, vulnerable to those types of attacks because everybody wants to be seen as a good person and a loving person and a kind person. Um, but we can't allow ourselves to be extorted by people who think that, you know, chopping a child's body up is an expression of love or we think that um, aborting or ending intentionally ending a life in the womb um, so that a young lady can finish her last year in college is an expression of love so right. part of it I, I wouldn't even play into their game and i would make them defend the things that they believe and have them um, explain to the audience why it is that again a 16 year old boy who is having penile inversion surgery um, sounds like the loving thing to do. To that end, you wrote in the same piece, critics on the left will undoubtedly accuse conservatives focusing on men of promoting a regressive return to the rigid sex roles of the 1950s. What they fail to realize is the sexual revolution and 60 years of liberal social policy did not destroy patriarchy. It, it They distorted it by minimizing the importance of men while maximizing the influence male-dominated institutions in every area of American life. You know, I read that and I thought to myself, you know, uh, while feminism and, uh, you know, calling you know men pigs and, and uh, trying to downplay the importance of men, in, in fact, things have only gotten worse since the 1950s mm-hmm. in regard to women being abused and being taken advantage of. I mean, if you look at the sheer numbers again, the, the, these policies have not worked. They've only made it worse. Absolutely. And, and that's why I, I go on to talk about the, the different deformed versions of patriarchy, right? So one of them 
conservatives will, 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 will immediately recognize, and that's bureaucratic patriarchy um, that was introduced to the culture through the war on poverty and expansion of the welfare state. Um, so the notion that Uncle Sam now plays the role of husband and father for millions of, of households is one that, again, conservatives understand and, and, and we reject. Um, but the, the second one that I mentioned, corporate patriarchy, is a little harder for conservatives to understand and oppose because uh, in contrast to bureaucratic patriarchy, corporate patriarchy provides an opportunity for women to, to become financially independent and not, you know, reliant on the government. Right. But my, my point is that corporations do not love us or our families because the CEOs of some of the biggest uh, multinational corporations in the world would much rather pay women to abort their children so that they can be back on the shop floor or back at their desk than pay for, you know, paid maternity leave. Um, so, you know, that that's that's the second part kind. And, and then the third kind, and I think this is really where you see um, a, re- a really cruel type of abuse pointed towards women is, is trans patriarchy, right? Which further complicates sort of the, the pro-family, pro-life, pro-man ethic by completely scrapping the rules of biological sex altogether. Right. Um, and, and this is the type of patriarchy in which grown men who think that they're women turn around and tell other women what words they can use, um, what facilities they can use, and try to shame those women when they try to speak for themselves. And, and one of the things that I say, I'm not really to the women who feel, feel victimized by this, but to the, to, to the daughters of the second wave feminist movement, right? The ones who are the most powerful in our society, the ones in corporate media or, or you know, Fortune 500 companies or in athletics or entertainment, the ones who will not raise a word in protest as quote unquote trans women like Dr. Rachel Levine, who was born Richard Levine, right? You know, take up all of their, uh, you know, accolades and and you know, are names to the first person to do X, Y, and Z. These women, the ones who again who made a career talking about how hard it is to fight sexism, have finally found a group of men that they can submit to, um, because when Rachel Levine speaks. The, the uh, Rachel Maddow's and the Joy Reeds of the world have no choice but to be silent. You know, we're up against the clock and we've got to bring this to a close. Uh, fascinating stuff, though. But at what point is are, are people going to say, wait a minute, you know, I've, I've bought into this and it's quite obvious it's not working. It, I mean, it's, just, it's common yeah. sense that it won't work. Are we going to come to that point? Y- yes. The only question is, how much carnage are we going to incur oh, oh, before we get there? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping we come to that point quickly. And I hope the stories, for instance, of, you know, detransitioners, um, as they become more commonplace in, in American, you know, media and, and particularly with the corporate media, that it wakes people up to the notion that, again, this we did not create ourselves. This world has been designed um, and we get optimal performance when we uh, interact with this world and one another according to the creator's design. 
Delano Squires with the Heritage Foundation. Again, you can follow Delano at um, on, on Twitter, at Delano Squires. Uh, real quickly, Delano, if you can give me the Reader's Digest in 15 seconds or less, which mm-hmm. is not fair for me to ask, but how did you come to the point as a black man living in New York, moving to Washington, D.C.? What was your foundation that you embraced these principles you've talked about so well today? Uh, I mean, I, I speak of what I know. So, you know, my parents married young. They're still they're married over 40 years. Same with the, the parents of my best friends. We grew up in church in a tight, close-knit community. Um, and even though, you know, friends and family may vote different ways, we all have the same values. And those values are not, are not dictated, you know, by color or ethnic background. Um, these are biblical values and, and thankfully ones that any person, regardless of your background, can access. Delano, thanks for what you do. Keep up the fight. Keep up uh, writing as you have written, and we look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, John. Thank you, Delano. Stay with us. I'll be right back.